Blog Talk Radio. You know what? I just can't with the music this morning, y'all. It's too early. <laughs> Good that is morning, a fair statement. Yes, I can't handle the music. I'm so sorry. I'm Raina Star, so you don't have to be. I'm going to curse a lot because it's been a week. I'm just saying. Um, so, hi. Uh, welcome to Desperate House, which is, again, I'm Raina Star, so you don't have to be. Desperate House, which is, is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So if bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might upset you, this is probably not the show for you. But that's okay. It's early. We have a lot of things to do today. Um, Desperate House, which is, is brought to you by the incredibly wicked one, the amazing Dorothy Morrison, whose candles, her limited edition, badass, wicked mojo candles are still happening this month. Go get them while you can. Go to the social media page for Wicked Witch Studios on Facebook. Grab that link. Get those candles because, I don't know, it may be another year before you can get any of them. And if you've dealt with Dorothy Morrison's products before, you know how awesome they are uh, and that I'm a huge fan. Okay, so with me for this very early hour of the morning, because, I don't know, I think she's part saint. I don't know what the situation is. This woman is wonderful. Um, <laughs> speaking with the amazing Arsanya Moon, um, who has written so many things. Oh, my gosh, you've written a lot of stuff <laughs> for Pagan Portal. We've got, and, yeah. and just more recently, um, the Norns, Weavers of Fate and Magic, Fantastic. And Honoring the Wild, Reclaiming Witchcraft and Environmental Activism, which uh, is still important and continues to be important as the earth kind of screams for us to stop our bullshit. Um, I ought to say, Arasanya has agreed most generously to lead us in two meditations uh, towards the end of the first half hour. So we're going to... We're going to start your Saturday right. Um, Yeah. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hello. I am well. I don't think I'm part saint. I do believe that I am wired differently. (laughs) uh, Because I woke up before my alarm this morning. So uh, this is just who I am. Uh, And my cat was totally fine with it. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they were great uh, they mm. are uh, I know yeah I'm sorry to hear you had a rough you had a rough week so sorry about that I did. And, thank you yeah I it. it's looking mm-hmm. up now because I'm talking to you I mean we've, you know it's been interesting a car fell on my a car fell on my tree I was really about Wait. to say that and did um <laughs> There was a huge rainstorm here in in North Carolina last weekend, and about 5.20-something in the morning, we hear a crashing sound that sounds like half the building is coming down. And lo and behold, a neighbor's very large, very, very large tree, probably 75 years old to 100 at this point is how old this tree is, 
and um, it came crashing down against three cars and part of our apartment building. It crushed in the railing on the side of the building, so that's a completely unusable walkway. And fortunately, I live on the first floor, but it sounded like everything was coming apart. Anyway, we walk outside, and I have a very small car surrounded by two larger cars, but my, my car still got a heavy amount of damage. The, the car that took the brunt of it all was total. Uh, it's just amazing. Anybody who's a friend of mine online uh, saw that I posted a picture of the base of the tree, and that was gigantic. Um, so, yeah, it was just not a small situation. So, of course, we're doing all of the that you do uh, when something like this happens. You call your insurance company, get estimates, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and that's where we're currently at. The car is at the shop. We spoke to the guy yesterday. I thought it was just a panel of glass. And the guy's like, um, well, there's this paint, and you don't want rust on this hood, and you don't want this, and you don't want that. And I'm like... I look at my car who I'm very close with, and I'm like, is this your way of telling me that we're done? I mean, I don't know. So hopefully, we'll see what happens. I'm trying to prep myself for every eventuality. But, you know, sometimes just don't see shit happening, and it happens, and you got to deal with it. And that's life. Bummer. Right? Still a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. It's not as bad as I hear you. it's not as bad as health issues. It's not as bad as <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we're going to look at things, all things being equal, all things are mm-hmm. equal. You know, I'm still mm-hmm. very lucky, even at my age, to be able to work and run and do all the things mm-hmm. I want to do, and you know, but life kind of has this way of smacking you around and saying, hmm. Are you paying attention to anything like shit that's not important? Uh, I'm yeah. very guilty. Very yep. guilty. Mm-hmm. It's very real. Very real. It's the universe yeah. or whomever, whatever, is very direct and often, I say, heavy-handed in trying to get me back on track. <laughs> so <laughs> a little, little dramatic yeah. universe, a little dramatic. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it seems like it's over the top sometimes, but I think it's because sometimes I'm I'm pretty physical, and yeah, getting through to, getting through to me is not the easiest task for any <laughs> entity. <laughs> yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. a little stubborn. So, yeah. I was you, you know, you talk a lot about yeah. the reclaiming um, tradition, and I think. <laughs> I think folks don't understand what the reclaiming <laughs> tradition is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because every time I say it, people are like reclaiming. And they think, the first thing they think about is like reclaiming wood. Uh, what are you talking about? Yep. Can you, give, mm-hmm. can you give our listeners this morning an overview of what reclaiming actually is? Absolutely. So that's a very common question. Actually, my first book was on reclaiming witchcraft, and I think that when folks saw the title, they were like, ooh, it's about reclaiming, pause, witchcraft. And right. I'm like, no, no, it's actually a whole thing. And so there's a lot to be said about that. So I will try my best to encapsulate it. So reclaiming witchcraft is its own tradition. 
that was born out of a whole bunch of different movements that were happening back in the, you know, basically thing, the book Spiral Dance, everyone. If you've ever heard of the book Spiral Dance by Starhawk, reclaiming sort of was birthed out of this. It was birthed out of that time where God of spirituality was coming back, where there was a lot of activist movement, where there was a lot of sort of the remembering of the sacred feminine and all of those sort of things converging together in the Bay Area slash sort of like the consciousness of the world, I would say, but also focused in the Bay Area in San Francisco, California. And all of that converged together and combined with Starhawk's, you know, once dissertation, then spiral dance and dancing the dark books, um, those created uh, basically a way for folks to come together and they came together in magic and they came together in wanting to do things to change the world and change what was happening. And so the story that we often tell at rituals and things like that for folks who are newer and have nothing, they don't know what's going on, is that Starhawk and Diane Baker, there were a lot of other folks. If folks are listening to this from Reclaiming, I'm aware that there's a whole bunch of other folks involved in this. But here's the, the short story. That Starhawk and Diane Baker sort of got together and decided they had a lot of folks who were really curious about how can I, you know, create my own rituals? How can I do my own magic? How can I do this in groups? And they started offering classes to do that. And that was the first, you know, elements of magic class. And that is the class in which it's the first core class in which you learn what ritual and reclaiming looks like. And you go through and you, you know, build relationships um, with the elements. And basically all these folks got tools to create rituals. And then they were like, well, we want to learn more. And so Starhawk had gotten initiated into the fairy tradition, F-E-R-I, with Victor and Cora Anderson. And so there's other classes that were sort of born out of that. So basically a whole bunch of folks learned a whole bunch of things all at the same time. And it became... You know, there was the Reclaiming Collective. That became really big and unwieldy. So it became, you know, so spread out and so hard to sort of um, navigate a lot of, you know, humans. So at some point, there are different stories about this, about what happens at this point. But the the Reclaiming gets a little too big, and so folks within that collective decide to dissolve it. And they come together and they create this wondrous document that is evolving called the Principles of Unity. And the Principles of Unity is basically like, if you agree to this, you are a reclaiming witch. You don't have to be initiated. You don't have to take core classes. You don't have to do any of this stuff. But if you can agree to this, you're a part of reclaiming. And that helped create the tradition of reclaiming witchcraft because that, those principles are still things to this day that we still, uh, well, we've changed <laughs> since the beginning because things have happened, um, updated it, let's say that. And yeah. so Reclaiming Witchcraft is this tradition that is all over the world. Um, yes, it's sort of focused in the Bay Area, but there are groups in, you know, all over the place. Like uh, there's groups in Canada, there's groups in Europe, there's groups in Australia, there's groups in South America. There's, I imagine there's other groups 
somewhere uh, in other places that I don't know about because it's um, a non-hierarchical tradition. So it is spread because it, I I like to think it arrives where it's needed to bring folks together. But then Reclaiming is also pretty cool about you bring what your magic is as long as it adheres to the principle, great. So it's not like here are the gods that we work with, here are this. No. It's pretty it's pretty open and there are a lot of things that are pretty common in reclaiming. So as I often say, this often happens in reclaiming, but not always. So that's sort of how I would you know, often but not always. Uh some sure. people say, you know, we're an anarchist tradition, so um yeah, I think that's part of the misconception about mm-hmm. reclaiming because I think people do not. I, first of all, I think there are some witches who, when you say just agree <laughs> with tenants, that they feel like, yeah. well, that's not that's not a real thing. And I mean, well, and I understand that because I was raised gardenerian and well, gardenia sure. <laughs> actually, not really gardenerian mm. because my mental. My mentor was like, yeah, we don't hold all of those. We, we don't follow Gardner to the letter because he had a lot of shitty parts to him. So my mentor was very there. clear about who we were dealing with and said, mm-hmm. listen, you know, we, we, we have to include everybody. That's, that's the right thing to do. When you learn better, mm-hmm. you do better. Um, right. Which is why... Mm-hmm. So many gardenerians don't like me because I'm like, ah, you know what? All this gatekeeping. Listen, the the biggest misconception about gardenerianism is that we're all gatekeeping assholes. Now I will admit to my asshole side, but I'm not a fucking gatekeeper, you know. and people know that about me. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I I resent gatekeeping because it's unfair. Just because I was lucky enough to do X Y Z, or you were lucky enough to do X Y Z, doesn't mean everybody else has access to that. So reclaiming yeah. is really, I think it's very misunderstood. I think yes. people mm-hmm. judge it harshly without certainly knowing enough about it. And the mm-hmm. idea that you can actually have people be interested in witchcraft and don't have to go through, you know, 9,000 courses. And, you know, if you can just agree to some simple tenets, as all groups have, I don't care who the group is, um, it opens it up for more people to join. Right. Right. And, yeah, I mean, that's what I think. And a couple of the things that I really appreciate about my tradition is that, one, it's not an initiatory tradition, like, which is, initiation is great. It's great. Like, initiation is great. I have nothing bad to say about that. I am initiated and reclaiming. So you can get initiated, but it's not, you don't have to. It's not like when you get initiated, like, you suddenly have access to information that other folks don't have. Um, Mm -hmm. It's more of a personal, it's more of a personal journey. It's more of your own, like, you, you decide to do that. And for better or for worse, it's, you know, it's quite a process. Um, but that's one of the things that really attracted me because it was more, it felt more about empowering me as I am versus yes. sort of trying to filter myself through a certain lens, if that makes sense. Um, Absolutely. And also, Absolutely. Yeah. 
and I think the other thing that I always like to say for folks who are still sort of, I, I'm not proselytizing for reclaiming to be clear, but I also know that I sound like it. Um, the other thing that I really like to say to folks is that we have this concept of you're your own spiritual authority rooted in community. So what this looks like in action is if I'm in a ritual and what feels good to me is to wave my arms around and to, you know, really that's the way I connect with energy, that's great. You could absolutely do that, even if that wasn't the instruction. However, you need to still do that being aware that your actions have impact on other folks. So my waving my arms around is great so long as I don't hit the person next to me. Right. So right. it's... It is about recognizing that, yes, you, absolutely, there's a space for you, but it also is in relationship with other folks. Yes, respect. There has to be respect. Mm-hmm. Just demonstrate, and I am all for respect. I mean, I, and I can't imagine why people have an issue with that, aside from, you know, those folks who need to do the gatekeeping aspect of, you know, well, you're not, but those are the folks that tell everyone else they're not doing it the right way anyway, no matter what the tradition is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, I, I just think there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, oh. reclaiming mm-hmm. tradition as, oh. you know, limiting. Yeah, you, if you want to speak to that, would you like to oh, just bust there up are, some of the, Oh, oh yeah. gosh. I, yeah, I, so... <laughs> So my very first book that I ever was asked to write slash agreed to write was on reclaiming witchcraft, which is not the smartest thing to do as a first-time author. Don't write about a tradition. It's like your, your tradition and a very, like, misconstrued tradition. Like, very hard. And also don't write it right before you have, like, a global gathering of your tradition in which you change the principles of unity, and then you publish a book that has the wrong ones in it then. So... That's all that to say. Uh, so to, to write that book, I did research, and one of the first things I did is I Googled reclaiming, <laughs> which, oh, that, oh, goodness sakes. So I'd already been in the tradition for a while at that point, fine, whatever. But I Googled things, and there was everything about, like, it's a Dianic tradition. No, it's not. It is, uh-huh. was partially founded by Z Budapest. No, it wasn't. And so things like that, and a lot about, I think the, one of the funniest, like, uh, interpretations of reclaiming is that we, and I say we very lightly, uh, is that folks in the tradition sit around and we just, like, do consensus all day, and, like, it's just, it's all about, like, we're just always like sitting in meetings and trying to like figure out what the meaning of the is in a sense. And that, I mean, that, that's happened, but that's not all we do. And right. we do have r- rituals and um, different practices. And my guess is that a lot of folks have troubles pinning down reclaiming because of the fact that there is so much openness to it and that there right. isn't like, here's, here's how you do it. Um, yep. So to write a book on reclaiming has been fascinating because how do you pin that down? You, you can't. There, I mean, I can't. Maybe somebody can. I, I can't. That's one of the reasons why Honoring the Wild 
I brought together stories from folks across the tradition because I'm not, there isn't one way to do activism in reclaiming either. And which is, so this is all great to me, but it's unsettling for other folks who might come from different traditions and want that, yes, but how do I do this? You, 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 right. So you, you do it. And for me, you know, one of the glorious things about this is that it, I've learned to empower myself and I've also learned to like try things and maybe that's not the thing. And then I try something else and then I have settled into what feels right for me. But my witchcraft no. doesn't look the same as somebody else. So. Right. I don't know. I think that Good. there's just a lot. There's a lot of just. I, I think that when you can't define something, it becomes uh, scary or something that's really easy to mock. And yeah, that's. And we're, oh, that's I mean, okay. I, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, what, what, what upsets me is, you know, first of all, as witches, we've all been mocked. Period. I mean, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. it. We've been mocked mm-hmm. by people mm-hmm. who know us, by people who don't know us by people who make assumptions. Okay, that's fine. People always Mm -hmm. mock what they don't understand. But when witches do it to each other, it just pisses Mm -hmm. me off because I remember when we had less than a dozen writers that we could find Mm -hmm. in any one bookstore. I mean, a handful, Mm -hmm. a handful at a Mm -hmm. time. And, you know, we did it secretly and we were afraid for people to find out and, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about how glorious it would be if we could just, you know, practice the way we practice and, and not have to be afraid of people finding out what we, what we believe in. Because we're just like mm-hmm. regular people. We just believe yes. differently as far as gods go. That's it. That's like mm-hmm. the only thing. It's a religious difference. It's a religious mm-hmm. difference, like, the, you know, being different. Uh, from being Christian to being a Jew. I mean, it's not the same religion. There's multiple religions, but ours gets beat up on and ostracized. Okay, fine. I mean, everyone does, different groups, obviously. Mm -hmm. But we are Mm -hmm. the most notorious that people like to gang up on together. Yes. It's true. Yeah, it's fun. It's great. I I mean, it's... But you hate it when it, it comes I mean, from inside. Yeah, I mean, really. But also, you know, I think one of the things that's just really true about uh, humans in general is that humans do that. You know, humans, uh, I, I, I feel like we're perpetually trying to find, like we're perpetually asking the question of am I okay, am I okay, am I okay? And when mm-hmm. we don't see what we think is okay reflected in someone else, oh, God, I'm not okay, that must not be okay. And I I think that's the way that it it arrives for me, at least. And I also, like, I I also think that at our core, we also don't, we want to find what's right for us, but then that does require us to step back and maybe not be like someone else. It's, you know, it's that weird confluence of, you know, wanting to be in community and wanting to be in the herd and wanting to be like alike, but also like, but there's also there's parts of me that are uniquely me. Right. How do we navigate right. that? And thus we have conflict. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
I think religion exists in any form on the premise that there is something in this universe that will love us unconditionally when we that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, I personally, I personally think that, you know, we're perpetually wanting to be reminded or wanting to remember that we're not alone in all this. That all of this, I, I have to believe, is for some reason, sometimes bigger some days than others, but that there is a reason for this. There's a reason for me. There's a reason for you. I have to believe that. Um, yeah. Because yeah. in order to in order to affect change in the world, I have to believe that. Because otherwise, oh, what's I the agree. point of it being an activist? What, what's the point? Yes, if it's if it's all random, why are we trying to save the earth? If it's really all right. random, nothing nothing mm-hmm. we do is going to matter anyway, which is a really fatalist way of looking at shit. Oh, and I think I don't have to do that. Being, <laughs> Right? As sentient beings, we really don't want to believe that there's no rhyme or reason. Even though we can openly say, we don't know the rhyme or reason. We don't know why. But maybe it will come to us at some point down the road. And a lot of the time it does. A lot of the time Mm -hmm. it makes sense after the fact. Even when you're going, like the situation, really minor you know, uh, example being this car situation that I'm going through. Do mm-hmm. I love my car? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This car is like a member of the family. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a car, and it will work mm-hmm. out one way or another. And it's not, there are people with real problems, and I'm not any of those people, and I know I'm fucking spoiled. And I admit it. And I, mm-hmm. I hope other people have an easier life um, mm-hmm. because my little hiccup is nothing compared to the pain and suffering that most other people go through. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, it's also I, very I, real. It's, it's also very real. Yeah. It's also very real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you a question, you know, while I was Great. going through uh, Honoring the Wild. I kind of had the feeling and I'm probably incorrect in this feeling, but I was like, hmm, if you practice reclaiming, should you be a vegetarian? <laughs> uh, you could be, but you're your own spiritual authority. So I yeah, would I love say, yep. I, you know, I, I think that there are a lot of vegetarians. There's a lot of vegans. There's also uh, folks that hunt. And yeah. It's a wide swath of folks, which is great, but it's confusing. There, there aren't a lot of rules outside of, I don't know, I don't even know if I call the principles of unity rules. Um, no, they're principles. Principles is a good yeah, word. Yeah, I mean. I like that word. I think that I, I think I, I think I, my little heart, wild heart doesn't like the word rules. And I think that's why I'm cringing at that. Uh, oh. Because I think that because the principles of unity to me rings as, and I have the updated one in Honoring the Wild, at least updated for this moment. Who knows? We're probably going to change it again. No worries, folks. Um, I think that the principles of unity are, they're stated as they are, but they can be expressed in a whole bunch of different ways. 
So what my, because for example, part of it talks about, like honoring the wild is actually a line from it, which is why I chose that title. Um, our, Our tradition honors the wild. That's one of the things. And, but that can look a whole bunch of different ways. It can be being a vegetarian. It could be, you know, going out onto the streets and protesting this, that, or the other thing. It could be yeah. making sure that, you know, folks in your area have access to a community so that in the face of ecological grief and the climate, the climate changing in this moment, that you also have resources for resilience. You have resources for um, coming back into contact with what's important and true. Um, yeah. I, I have to tell you, the fact that reclaiming goes through continuous transformation and continuous update based on current and best information is one of the <laughs> things I love about it. Because when you are stuck in a practice that has no movement, it stagnates and dies. And I, I preach this all the fucking time. Anyone who listens to this broadcast who's ever heard me before knows that I constantly beat up on other Wiccans uh, and Gargarians who want to beat up on me because it's like, if you want to stay stuck, don't change and don't grow. But anything that doesn't change and grow dies. So in order mm-hmm. to keep our traditions alive, we have to be able to move past we were, we were taught in the 60s, 70s, and even into the 80s, um, and, and move to more inclusivity. And reclaiming sounds very inclusive, which is a lot more than I can say for some other traditions. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that about it because it should change, and it should grow, as all things should do. So I have a real appreciation for that. I do too. And I think that I want to be clear too that I think sometimes when I talk about that and we talk about, oh, you know, inclusivity and we change the principles of unity to talk about, you know, trans folks, to talk about folks um, who have different experiences of the divine, to talk about how we're an anti-racist tradition. All of those changes came because we realized we were screwing up. Right. And uh, that white folks in our tradition were screwing up. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not as simple as like, (laughs) you know, we came up with this. How great is this? Yeah, there were a lot of fuck ups. There were I mean, there still are. Right. Because human. A lot of things weren't part of the principles of unity because there weren't. How do I phrase this? Sometimes changes come to things because we encounter the impact of our unexamined, uh, you know, phobias. When we don't look at the way we're interacting, they show up and they become insidious and, you know, the contagion. And only when there's damage done that we're like, oh, fuck, we should be, whoa, 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 we need to do something about this. And it's an ongoing practice, right? I, I, as a white person, have, you know, internal, have like, you know, I still have racist thinking. I, I live in a white supremacist culture. I, you know, I have to continuously look at that, think on that, and examine that. And it's a process. 
it is, there's this really great quote. I can never remember the author, um, but uh, white supremacy is not the shark, it's the water. And, wow. right? And I will, I will send it to you. I can never remember who says it. And this wow. amazing That's- poet from Minneapolis is part of a poem. And, but all that to say that if you're swimming and stuff, you can't see it because it's what you've always been in. Right. And we keep thinking it's that thing that's chasing us. No, it's, it's everywhere. Um, so all that to say that, yeah. So all that to say that, you know, reclaiming has gone through its birthing pains will continue. We're still a pretty new tradition right all things considered and we're still going to do that a lot of this was learned because different members of reclaiming were experiencing things in families and that's how it became like oh we should be looking at this we should be looking at this um and i think that's what and not what keeps me here but it is definitely the thing that i'm really proud of and proud to be a part of In, in the way that I can. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, I had mentioned to you um, yesterday or the day before that, you know, one of the teachings one, or one of the lessons in your book is about, or one of the examples, because you don't really come across she about it. You very, I like the way you write a lot because mm-hmm. it's very much first person from you for, for when you're explaining something, and I really like, because it's like we're sitting here having this conversation, and your book is like that, too. We're having a conversation. Um, mm-hmm. But you talk about learning dropped and open attention, and, mm-hmm. you know, in addition to a practice, mental clarity and health is very important, as you and I had previously discussed. And you agreed yes. so kindly to leave two meditations for our morning to get us started in this weekend, mm-hmm. at perhaps before being more grounded and being more clear um, and paying att- better attention to what's actually happening to us and around us because we're so obsessed with, you know, social media or our phones or everything that's not part of our practice mm-hmm. or outside of actual practicing um, that mm-hmm. we thought it would be a great idea if you would do this, and I so appreciate you doing it. So what are we going to – which one are we going to start with? Yeah, well, so as you were saying that, I mean, I can combine the two. Uh, I'm adept in that. I could – so that, that would be longer. Um, okay. Let's see. I, so one of the things that's also part of reclaiming is that we're also kind of an improvisational. <laughs> so I'm yeah. very good at, you know, whatever seems to be the right thing in the moment. So let's yep. see. Let me feel into this for just a second. I know you wanted to do dropped and open. So why don't we do that and see where that lands us and then maybe take a temperature check of how we're feeling and then I will adjust the next thing based on how that goes. How's that? Cool. That sounds fantastic. Great. I am ready when you are. Great. These are my jams. So I am really happy when you talk about this. So, folks, wherever you are, 
in this particular moment, in this very moment or in a future moment, I just invite you to notice your body. Notice where it is arriving in space and time. And maybe get a little bit more comfortable that you don't have to get, you know, to the edge of sleep or rest or anything like that. But just, you know, if there's any place that could be a little bit more comfortable, this is a good moment to make that adjustment. And maybe that also looks like coming back to your breath. Maybe that looks like looking around the room that you're in or looking out the window. Just being where you are without any sort of story about that. You're just where you are on this day, at this time, in this body, in this world. And part of Drops It Open is to really come to who we are and to really come to this moment, to, to, to even to strengthen that, I invite you to notice where your attention might be wandering away, where it has wandered off to the next moment, where it has wandered off to what you're doing next, where it has wandered off to the past, and oh, you know, did I say that right? Should I have, did I turn off this, that, or the other thing? Oh, I, that conversation from yesterday, I don't feel good about that. Any of those different strings of attention that are sort of stretching out from you, stretching from the past, the present, the future, and start to roll those into your body. Now, you can do this in a whole bunch of ways. It might just be the sensation of that you're bringing everything back to you it could be that you actually notice that there are threads of attention. It could be that you just take a breath, and in that breath you are pulling all of those threads closer to yourself. Maybe it feels good to stretch out your arms right now and, like, gather them up as though they were, you know, blankets that you're trying to bring closer to you. But start to bring all of those different threads of attention, all of those distractions, all of those thoughts, all of those places that we all wander off to, and bring them close to, I like to bring them close to my heart, but right, right outside of that. So... In front of my heart, I start to gather those things and maybe they become a ball. Maybe it's a messy ball in the beginning because maybe there's a lot. Maybe this is like a ball of yarn that gets a little tangled at the start. Bring all of those threads of attention to the front of me and start to bring it into a ball, maybe a sphere, maybe a glowing orb, whatever works for you. Yarn ball is great too. But we begin to bring that into a little bit of a smaller space, into a little bit more of a compact position. And maybe just take a moment to notice what that arrives as for you. Again, 
everybody is different. There's no one way to do this. For me, I tend to notice sort of a pearlescent sort of ball. It feels a little bit smoother the more I think about it. Maybe it's a little shiny. And it's usually about the size of what I vaguely remember to be a fast-pitch softball. It could be smaller or bigger for you. But as you notice that and as it really gets a form that works for you, just uh, allow yourself to notice it rise up. It's not going to go too far. It's not going to go too fast. Just sort of rise up to the top of your head. All that attention that you've brought in, all of those lingering, languishing parts of our attention compressed and brought up to the top of your head. And just notice how it's there in this moment, if it's changed, if it hasn't. And then just as easily as it rose, just as gently as it arrived, just as wondrously as you created it, it begins to drop down the back of your head. Now, very slowly, this is gentle, it's Saturday. Gently moving down the back of your head, maybe coming down to the base of your neck. And gently traveling each of those vertebrae. Traveling down slowly, easily, insistently, gracefully, and traveling down the speed that works for you, down until it gets to sort of the base or the, to your lower back. And once it arrives there, or maybe you find it needs to arrive somewhere else, again, choose your own dropped and open adventure. Once it gets there, allow it to sort of sink into your body. So sink back in. So sink into that space of what I call the pelvic bowl. Maybe it's the place of your will. Allow it to go and wander and arrive inside that space of your body. And what was once a ball, it begins to expand. Expand to fill that space. We all have different sizes spaces. So it expands just inside your body. And just notice what that feels like. Notice how that changes your energy throughout your entire body or maybe just that space. And from there, I invite you to open it up and expand it out a little bit further beyond the stretch of your body, beyond the edges of your body, maybe to the space that you know as like an like a energetic body around you. So that might be, I don't know, six inches out. Expanding out just a little bit wider, so maybe maybe a foot out of your body. Expanding that awareness out just a little bit more. 
Some people might notice this as a disc. They might notice it as like a bigger ball. Again, choose your own adventure. But from there, I invite you to expand your awareness out. Now, that can be as far as to the horizon. It can be to the edge of the room. It could be some space in between. But allow that awareness to spread out. Sometimes I picture this as I, you know, if I have brought the blanket into my body, I'm spreading it back out. But I'm doing this with my awareness intentionally. I'm intentionally spreading it out. So spreading it out to the edges of space, spaces, horizons, lands. And in that space, your awareness is expanded. Your awareness can be wider. You can drop into a wider space of knowing a wider realm of possibility and a wider place of understanding. So notice what that feels like and how that may have shifted the way your body feels. The way that may have shifted how your mind feels. The way that shifts what you can be aware of when it is more of an intentional act. So in this space, you could take a walk around your space that you're in right now. You could take a physical walk. You could take a mental walk. You could travel out to different edges of the space and drop into them and ask yourself what I might want to know in these moments. You might explore the different sensations and the different nuances of this present moment. Often this exercise can be used to drop into a wider awareness and it can help inform planning a ritual. It can help inform noticing different messages, energies, whatever, in different physical spaces. Or going for a walk, doing a dropped and open, widening out your awareness and seeing what arrives then. It's a lot of fun. But I, I think from I this moment, this. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just so going to say, I w- during this, I, I was able to actually, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but I could hear birds chirping, which is a sound I have loved and missed. Sometimes you miss something mm. without even knowing that you're missing it until it happens again. And mm-hmm. this just brought me to an awareness of peacefulness, which I think is so hard to this Absolutely. So brought me in such a gentle way. And I'm I'm starting to now see what you're talking about as far as the drop and open. I think I was missing the open part. <laughs> so dropping yes. off the field. Dropping. The mark. <laughs> and I think the other thing, too, for this is that 
you know, it's such an exercise of, it's such a versatile thing. Like I said, um, when I've been doing ritual planning, it's actually the thing that we do to expand our awareness as a group. And then we widen all of our awarenesses and go like, what are you seeing for the ritual? And then everybody gets from that open space, says the thing that arrives. And it might not make any sense, but that's fine. And you wander out and you go out to see what is true when we're not allowing our attention to be strung in, you know, a whole bunch of different directions. But the other thing with this for my own magical hygiene is, yes, you are obviously able to stay in this awareness as long as you like. And sometimes it can be a little bit much for driving and stuff like that. So, there's yeah. also the when you're ready to come back, you bring it back to your body shape. <laughs> you pull that back in. Again, I don't know why blanket seems to work really well for me, but, like, it's sort of like bringing all that stuff back to my body and to the size that's me again. Um, but maybe just a little bit more aware. Um, maybe just a little bit more conscious. I mean, other practices, like other folks who will describe this, also, when they bring the ball up to the head, they might imagine it as an egg that cracks and then it flows down your back. So that's another image that folks have used. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure this is a practice that's in either, it's either in Spiral Dance or it's in Truth or Dare. I can't remember which book, but one of the two. Or maybe maybe 12, maybe 12 Wild Swans. Don't know. Well, you know, it's been so long since those books were released that oftentimes folks who are are a little bit older like me um, oftentimes Mm -hmm. didn't read Spiral Dance or did read Spiral Dance and have forgotten a lot of what, I mean, I cannot tell you how many things I have forgotten (laughs) replacing them with other Mm -hmm. things. And it's often good to be brought back to some basic things that we forget Mm -hmm. in our day-to-day lives while we're trying to accomplished like I don't know getting healthy or paying or paying bills or <laughs> or whatever your jam is you know um, you know it, it's hard to remember a lot of the really important stuff which is why I'm so glad we're coming on to like do this mm-hmm. for us and I'm so appreciative that you are mm-hmm. but is there mm-hmm. is there something and I put a little more time if you have a few extra minutes if we run sure. over, um, mm-hmm. you know, is there something else that we would do perhaps after bringing our, mm-hmm. our blanket back? I like blanket too. So it, once we've brought mm-hmm. our blanket back in and we've expanded it to our size so that we're mm-hmm. almost becoming, releasing things out into the, the universe mm-hmm. as it were, bringing them back in, um, perhaps mm-hmm. with more information, kind of like putting feelers out there. What's a good mm-hmm. uh, spiritual hygiene meditation to do after you have sent your energy out to explore, so to speak, and you've brought it back in? Yeah. So here's here's what I would do. So after I brought everything back in, um, I think. So it's sort of, I'm laughing because sometimes the joke is, you know, you ground, so at the end of ritual, do you unground? No, we don't unground. Please don't. Please don't unground. 
Um, so when I would bring it back in, I think what I would just be is a little bit, because I actually don't want to undo what I just did. What I might right. do is, I, I, yeah, please don't. Like, you're going to have to redo things over and over. There is no constant state of grounding. Sorry. But right. at least I haven't found it. I have yet to find it. Yeah. Uh, so when I would bring this back in, I think what I might do is a practice of with that feeling or that message or that sensation that really feels like, oh, I want to remember this. <clears throat> what I would do is I would find a place on my body and I would touch that place and I would say, <clears throat> excuse me, I need a sip of water. Um, I would touch that place and ground that feeling, that message into that place. I would ah. be very intentional about, you know, it could be any place in your body. I, I often touch my heart, but I think that it could be your right thumb, whatever. But touching that place and really anchoring that message, that feeling into that place, would be a wise thing to do because the next moment in your life that comes up where you need that, you touch that place. And even if you can't remember exactly what you put there, uh, there is still a body memory that, yeah, and a, like a little magic that you can tap back into. Yeah, I'm putting my hands on my heart right now and I'm feeling the sensation that I felt at my most happy point during mm-hmm. the guided meditation you just did. And it's, yep. I may not remember exactly what it was in seven hours from now, but yep. if I put my hand here again, I feel like the sensation of peace that I experienced will come back. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, as you were saying that, this is what I, I, this is like maybe the, the quotable moment in this uh, practice. It's that if the body can remember trauma, it can also remember joy. Wow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. Hard to remember we tend that. to think that, oh, <laughs> right. We tend to think that we only remember the bad stuff. And, but also if it's capable of that, it's also capable of other things. Wow. So I love a good anchoring practice for really a lot of magical work. Big yeah. fan. Uh, pretty sure there's things scattered throughout my body. I do not remember all of them. But for really for anything, I think that that's just a wise thing. I It's a practice that's ongoing for me that when something really amazing happens, I try to ground that in my body somewhere. Yeah. Or I'm not sure if you and I talked about this or this was a different person I talked to, but another great practice that I learned from one of my initiators is to um, take like a happy sensation or that experience of power, that experience of fierceness or something that you really want to capture and putting it into like a little bubble and like, like thinking about like, you know, blowing bubbles and putting it into a bubble and sort of like letting it go off into the universe for some future time. So when you need that, you could go find that, you know, you could call that bubble back to yourself and pop it and access that feeling 
later. So sending off these little bubbles of like amazingness, awesomeness, wonder, wisdom, whatever, for later. Um, sort of like a, I guess, a, a magical prepper's kit, something like that. And yeah, but with, with bubbles. Mm-hmm. I love it. No, that's great because, you know, we hold on to pain so much that, mm-hmm. you know, past pain, current pain, imagined pain sometimes, um, you know, it's nice to be reminded that, oh, guess what, you don't have to do that part. You can do this part. You can do the good remembering part and, and continue mm-hmm. to bring those good vibes and good energy back in. I just I think it's really hard sometimes we get so lost again in the day to day that we forget mm-hmm. yeah, we're capable of remembering huge amounts of pain, but we're also, like you said, capable of, mm-hmm. of having all of these bubbles of joy and I just love the way you put it. It is very, mm-hmm. very perfect. And I am so appreciative, you know <laughs> And I've talked your ear off pretty much for the entire Love hour. Um, but I, <laughs> I so appreciate that you came on to do this. And we're, like, down to three minutes. So instead of, like, asking you to do an, another one, um, I'm going <laughs> to ask you if you're going to come back and do another session with us on another day, maybe later in the morning, yeah. if you're okay with that. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm good. I'm great. Yeah, you can get into this later. Um, but, no, yeah. definitely, okay. I mean, you have definitely set my morning up for success in the sense that great. I am now reminded and have a place that I have put this in my body where it is very reachable, mm-hmm and joyful. So even if I forget what it is that I experience, I absolutely believe that this afternoon when I put my hand right here on my chest, I am going to have that joyfulness again. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope that. I hope that for you. I hope that for all the folks that may have followed along. And if you want, you know, yes, I, of course I'll come back, but if you want a trance for me, uh, there actually is one on YouTube. And so yeah. there is, I did a trance for a class that I was teaching, co-teaching, and it's a trance okay. to the allies. So if you're, and it was for a writing class, so it was like for your writing allies, but you can adapt. Yeah. And so it, it, is on, it is on YouTube. Um, it's under my name, and I think it's just called Trance to the Allies. I don't remember. Um but there's that. So, and this might be a moment where I say, "Hey, I have a website." Um, I do. so I do. Uh, Irisanyamoon.com. Uh, I do have a newsletter, and sometimes I send out trances with newsletters for the folks who are signed up. Uh, cool. I'm a big fan of trance. Big, big fan. Huge fan. So we'll do that anytime you ask me. So Wonderful. Uh, I would also yeah. like to remind folks of all of your writings for Earth Spirit, Pagan Portals. We've got uh, the most recent being Honoring the Wild, 
fantastic, and the Norn of state and magic. Oh, and I should I should properly read honoring the wild title. It's honoring the wild, reclaiming witchcraft, and environmental activism. So I just want to encourage folks that if you have been misled uh, by things you've heard about the reclaiming tradition. Um, it, it's it's not a free for all as some people think it is. It's not anarchist as some people believe it is. It is. I feel like not knowing as much as I would like to yet. I'm still learning about reclaiming, obviously. But it is. I think it honors the individual, mm-hmm. but in the respect of the group as a whole. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. There's really nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Not all of us can have mentors that we talk to and go to um, on a daily basis. Uh, not all of us are, are local enough to other people. You know, if you're reaching out for something and you're exploring, uh, this might be, reclaiming might be the practice for you. I mean, there are mm-hmm. principles, as there should be, uh, for any mm-hmm. practice or any group of culture. There should be a respect. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I would say that this could be a place, if you're, listen, if you're a disaffected uh, pagan or witch because the practice you've been in, you feel is too cycling, uh, I think reclaiming could be a, a home for you very possibly. I mean, there's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of things. There are misconceptions about every practice. Um, but I, I would encourage you to look beyond uh, the rumors, perhaps <laughs> unkind things heard. I mean, I'm just being honest about it. I think sometimes oh, it's true. You know, self, it's true. self-investigation is more important than what you hear Hearsay is always going to be colored through the lens of another person's um, either experiences or what they heard or maybe even misheard about something. So I would encourage you to investigate it for yourself, as I would ask you to investigate all things for yourself. But I love you. You are so wonderful. And, yeah, I mean – we're talking about it earlier. There's just so many misconceptions, and they're they're patently unfair, right? I think that I mean I think it's one of the challenges too of um, <clears throat> having a tradition that's so spread out. I mean, there's always going to be, you know, folks don't all do the same thing. So you know, we're not there. There, there are stories that aren't great because you know people and time. So, yeah. but also I think that, you know, we all, the history of reclaiming also came up during like the internet and where everybody was writing everything. And so yeah. things get confused, they get jumbled. And for me personally, reclaiming is really an experiential tradition. It's kind of an oral tradition. You sort of have to be in it and not in a culty sort of way, but you have to be in it to sort of understand what that means and what that looks like because, Spiral Dance was written a minute ago, and that was that moment. And there are things in there yeah. that were the foundation, but not necessarily what things look like in practice now, right? So uh, go to a public ritual. Uh, a lot of rituals went online 
with COVID. And so definitely different, but definitely a good way to get, you know, a little bit of uh, information. And again, experience is best, uh, I think, personally. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Find this out. Try it first before you, yeah. Thank you. I Try always first. have a great time with you. Thank you. Yes, and as you were saying, try it first before you judge, right? Yes. Try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Please, please. And, yeah, so, and also, like, the Norns book that keeps getting referenced isn't coming out till July. So we'll talk about that more when we get closer to that. Um, yes. And I have another, if you're into environmental stuff, too, I have another book coming out in November. No, December. Doesn't, who knows? Whenever Amazon wants to release it. And so, I mean, it could be any. It, uh, Honor in the Wild was supposed to come out February 1st, and it arrived two weeks earlier. I, I don't know. So, uh, so in November, I have a book, um, another Earth Spirit book, and it's on Gaia. And it is a lot of heavily environmental, a lot of, um, I talk about ecological grief. I talk about how to navigate that. And as best we can. <laughs> so there's a lot coming up. I'm perpetually busy. That's why I have a website and a newsletter, and I'm on social media and all that junk. So I, yeah, there's a lot going on, and I'm yeah. hopeful it's helpful. I'm hopeful it's helpful. It is, and I'm looking forward to many more conversations like this. I, again, so appreciate you. I appreciate um, your writing. I appreciate you as a person and as uh, someone I consider um, a friend. And I'm, I'm very yeah. grateful for all of you. Very grateful. Arasanya, yeah. thank, thank you, you so much for, for giving us this wonderful morning to start our weekend. And we will mm-hmm. talk again very soon. Thank you. We will. Thank you so much. Everyone have a great weekend and take care of yourself. All right. Okay, guys, that's it for this morning. Go out there and be intentional with your lives. Enjoy everything. And I will see you back with Sagu Simante for the 415 on Thursday. And I think I have another show before that, but I'm not sure. So forgive me, it's early. I haven't had coffee yet, but, boy, this really did start my morning correctly. So I love you all, and I will see you later. Bye.